Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 30 of the Movement is Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Carr. And today I'm joined by a very special guest just north of the border in Massachusetts, uh, PJ Strebel of Maxway Performance in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. How are you today? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, my pleasure. Um, for those of you who don't know PJ, PJ's been a friend of mine for a long time. I met him, you know, kind of through Mike Boyle's strength and conditioning pipeline, through CFSC, through the seminars. And um, he's someone who I've got to see his career grow and change. Um, and I know PJ's going to get into his story here. And I want to ask him some questions during the podcast, kind of about his progression, about where he started. But I've seen him go from being, you know, a coach like many other people working in a health club, turning a ton of sessions every day coaching his ass off to then, you know, eventually, you know, striking off on his own as many people want to do and talk about and are often scared of going and starting his own gym and starting his own business and seeing him successfully grow that facility to the point where he outgrew the facility he's in um, and recently expanded. Was it last year? Yeah. So we just celebrated one year this February. So we're about 18 months in or so in, into the new facility. But um, yeah, it's been a journey to open kind of six months pre-COVID, weather that storm, and then uh, about 12 months post-COVID to actually move into a bigger facility. So yeah, it's been, a so it's been cool to be able to watch that progression and see you go through that. I know I was saying to you just briefly before this, how like on the strengthcoach.com forum, the most frequent questions we get are like, hey, I'm thinking about opening a facility or I am opening a facility. I have questions about staffing, facility size, equipment, pricing, all these things. And it's always good to answer people there. But I think the best thing you can do is have a conversation with someone who's done it and probably made mistakes um, and figured it out and, and gone. And that's what Mike has been for us as a resource. But then, you know, hearing from other people because everyone's environment and gym setting is a little different. So I think you'll be a great resource for that. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Uh, I have a banquet beer. Straight from Golden, no Colorado. Dice. No dice. Liars Bench, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Shout out. Yeah, a New Hampshire special. Wonderful. I have a, I have a new koozie, Kev. I'll have to get you one. Oh, I need, oh, so yeah, I'll do a trade. We have a CFSC koozies. Um, so we'll, we'll do a, a straight up trade. I'm just going to work my way through our group text till I get everybody on here. So, um, you know, I've had Vinny. Um, who else did I have? I've had you. That might be it so far. Dan's going to get on here. Steve's going to get on here. So, uh, oh, and of course, Brendan, he counts, I guess. So, um, but, you know, so, I mean, I'm going to just kind of check up and see where you're at. Cause I know for us right now, MBSC, we're kind of winding down on our summer session. This was, this is our last week with our kids of like our official summer session. So a lot of our fall college sports athletes have already gone headed to camp this week. Yep. Um, a lot of our college athletes have taken off. Now high school kids are starting to trickle off at the end of this week and, There'll just be some pro athletes kind of hanging around until NHL camps start. So um, how's your summer gone and, and where are you guys at right now? Yeah, so I think that we're pretty similar to you guys where we've just been kind of full on for the summer. It's been a blast having all the college kids back. A lot of the prep school kids come back for the summertime. And they kind of rip it from middle of May all the way until kind of this week. So it's a, it's a good energy to have in the gym, which is really nice. But I think um, our adult population and i think our coaching uh coaching staff is ready for a more routine schedule i think it's because they're just long days they're quick weeks but they're long weeks uh during the summertime so i think that we're excited we're doing a lot of send-offs this week so it's bittersweet where 
bummer to see him go back to school, but we're excited to see what they're going to do this fall. So we're excited to see and keep up with all the kids going away, playing their sports. And um, yeah, the, the kids going into high school preseason and, and doing all that kind of stuff. But we do see a little bit of intake with some of our winter athletes that kind of come back in this fall where like the, the hockey or well, not the hockey kids that do the split season, but the, the basketball players, things like that. Some wrestlers that come in that kind of were busy all summer with some tourneys and kind of their showcase series or whatever, but want to take the fall up. So we're, we're pretty excited where we are. We're ready to kind of get back into routine. Uh, I know I personally have a little bit of a different routine. My young or my oldest is going to kindergarten. So I'm going to be balancing kind of my, my coaching schedule with that. But the, the, the K through eight school is actually right up the hill. So I'm, I'm thinking about being, we're going to do like some walking series where I like, I'll do like, walk clubs where I'm going to be walking kids from the gym or from the school down to the gym for our after school sessions. And my kindergartner is going to be tagging along. So there you go. Um, and I want to kind of touch on, on that kind of community-based things a little bit later. And I would say this time of the year is um, kind of bittersweet for us, right? Like the summer is an absolute grind. And usually I know with ours, like our gen pop and personal training clients, have like a love hate relationship with the summer. They like the energy from the athletes. They hate the crowding (laughs) and they hate that there's sometimes kids like flying around in there with no sense of uh, control or (laughs) no sense of their surroundings. But um, I know our coaches are looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Our coaches are looking forward to kind of having a breather next week. I know because we next week's kind of like a bye week You know, we just have adult groups and personal training, no kids. And then, We'll hit the ground running after Labor Day. Um, but like you said, you know, it's sad to see them go, but you're excited to see them, you know, compete. That's what they're here for, right? And so I'm um, really excited. We have been doing the same thing, send-offs, posting a lot of pictures, um, and, and hopefully getting to a lot of games in the fall, you know. I mean, the other mm-hmm. half of the job is, I said, I've been to more high school hockey and basketball and football games than I can count probably um, since I've I worked here. So. Best kind of boots on the ground marketing that you can do though, to be honest mm-hmm. because if you're going to the game you usually already know an athlete so then you can just kind of coordinate with that parent and i i'll, I'll say i built a, a fair a fair portion of my book of business just through sitting and sitting next to a parent i know and they're gonna be like oh hey have you met pj he trains bobby mm-hmm. bobby loves it like you got to go check out maxway i'm sitting watching a sporting event and networking and kind of pitching business and, and creating relationships. And um, it's like kind of a fun way to do it. It's better than sitting in cold calling, right? Yeah. You know, and sports. <laughs> well, it's like, I always, the, the Cosgroves always have this acronym that I love, GIFT. So get in front of them. And, yeah. you know, especially in fitness, you hear all these people talk about like marketing and online advertising and, and some of that stuff has its place, obviously. But no, there's nothing more valuable than what you just said. Like, you, I have co- coaches who work for us who want to have want more clients, and I'm like, all right, well, the clients you currently have, go hang out with them, because you're going to inevitably get into their social circle, whether it's their kids' social circle or their social circle by going to games, and they introduce somebody else, and then they introduce somebody else, and then you're the guy in that neighborhood or the girl that everybody wants to refer them to. And yeah, it's not that hard to go sit at like a high school game and shoot the shit with the parents. Like it's kind of a really enjoyable part part of my week. I'm like, oh, I get to go to a game tonight, so. Um, if you're someone listening, I mean, they really appreciate it too. Like they, the kids really love, they light up when they see you in the stands, the parents really shows to them that you care. Um, and so, I mean, for us, I think it's invaluable. Courtney, who works for us, I would say like, she goes to more games than anyone I've ever seen. I feel like her whole week 
during is her nights are often like, I got a game here. I'm going to go to a game here. And yeah. uh, we're already mapping out the schedule for some of our kids who left this week for, for the fall. So um, right. a nice little added bonus, but also a great marketing tool uh, to get more people in the door. So, yeah. Andy McCloy and uh, Luca, they were just talking about that. The two styles, the new school versus the old school and this kind of sitting in the stands and, and building that grassroots style. It's more like the old school model, but I, you got to do both. And I think that the be like you said, being in front of them, is just, it's the most ROI I've ever seen on, on advertising and marketing. In my opinion, is me getting in front of handfuls and handfuls of adults that are just qualified leads right off the bat. Yeah. They so always say like the cost of acquisition for a client, like paying for ads and things like that. Like I think to get into like a high school, hockey games sometimes it's free but it might be like 10 bucks so um that's a good marketing investment right there it's a write-off for you um so (laughs) tell us a little bit about yourself like so you're from new hampshire how'd you get into you know personal training strength conditioning and what did you what was your first job would you were you at the health club to begin with or like how did you get there yeah so I grew up on the western side of New Hampshire, so Lake Sunapee region, really, really small town. Like I graduated with 50 kids, right? So small, mm-hmm. small, small school. Three sport athlete played everything because if the boy, like if you didn't play all three, you didn't have enough to field the entire team, right? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I would say that was my first kind of introduction into into strength training was just training as a teenage kid because I wanted to be stronger and bigger for football and basketball or whatever it was. Um, went to college in Maine, um, small school, but I ended up playing lacrosse. So I kind of have, I'm a big advocate for as many sports as possible because I played a college sport that I had never touched before and it was low <laughs> level, but it was like, it kept me in school. It kept my grades up because I was part of something. So it was good. Um, graduated college in 09. And then my first job out of college, I was a long-term special education aide and I coached football and lacrosse at a Winnicott High School, which is in Hampton. Um, and it's kind of come full circle with, with Winna, but I was at Winnicott it for like two and a half years. Um, I lost that position because the principal didn't renew a federal grant that was paying me. So I kind of got like pushed out into the world and I was like, oh, okay, well, what can I do now? Um, but I really enjoyed coaching, like the, the being part of the team, being around the kids, being in the weight room, being on the field. What did you so, study at school? I'm sorry. So I had a psychology degree. So okay. I had psychology, psychology and sports management. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went a little bit of a different. A untraditional route. Like I'm not an exercise science guy. I'm not a kinesio major. I, I went psychology and sports management. I thought I was going to go to graduate school to be a sports psychologist, but I didn't want to take the GRE and I was kind of done with school. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, um, I was, I was kind of good. I was, I was ready to not be a student for a minute. Um, but then it like, it ended up being the best learning years of my life were afterwards in secondary education, just figuring it out on my own. Um, but I got thrown, like I, I had a connection of a family friend and I got a job kind of doing a little bit of everything at a commercial job. So this was like, oh, this was 2013. Um, I was like checking people in. I was like cleaning stuff. I like started, I got my first personal training. I was like a, there's like a AFA or something like, it was like a, one of the easy weekend ones. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my first cert. That was it. Um, and then I started like helping with like, group style classes and kind of like some strength based stuff there. And then I got the opportunity to work at um, what I would say like is a, a group fitness gym, like an adult fat loss 
body composition. It's a very, still to this day, a very successful gym. And I, I would say I cut my teeth training there. Big groups. It was, an, it was an adult, large group style classes. And then I kind of helped start their small group personal training aspect of it. Um, I kind of ran my course there and missed something. And I, I couldn't really figure out what it was. But at that point, I, I hadn't been training kids anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't around teens. I wasn't around sport, like training anything. I wasn't coaching anything anymore. I was like, ah, oh, what am I doing? Um, and then I got, I, that's literally when I, I took a summer off from kind of doing anything. I was mowing grass at a, at a golf course. And that's when you guys came out with the CFSC. I was like, all right, cool. I don't have to take a standardized, like it's more practical. Like I can show that I can coach. I can show that I can do something. And that's when that hit. So I got the CFSC. I was in like the first, I think I was in like one of the very first crews. I, I think you it. were. Yeah. I think you might've been in the first group. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think I was too. And then from there, I kind of just threw my resume out at um, a bunch of like a commercial gym that was in, in town. It was like a small little chain. It was owned by one person. Um, and it, I just dropped my resume off and on paper, I looked okay. So I got a call back and my proposal to the guy was like, look, I'm trying to start a youth program. This is what I've been missing. There isn't, in my opinion, quality training in the area. Here's my proposal. And I started out just as a W2 coach. So I was just like, a, they gave me a run and then go get clients. So I was like selling personal training to adults best I could. And then I tried to build a youth program. And I was there for about four years. Um, and I would say that that's where I learned that my wife is way more patient than I am. Um, <laughs> Cause if I had left to open my own spot when I thought I was ready, I probably would have failed and fallen flat on my face, but mm-hmm. I have a very um, smart wife um, and she was able to kind of hold me back and it was, it was good. So I, I mean, I kind of was ready to go. 18 months before I actually left, but it, it gave me enough time to, to kind of get my ducks in a row um, because I kind of bootstrapped the transition into MaxWise. So um, kind of getting into that, that gym ownership mode, I guess well, I was just... Put, let's put, I want to put the brakes on and touch on a, a few things that you went over. And so this timeline, that's what, 2009 to, to when? To when? To, to, I opened MaxWay the summer of 2019. Okay, so this is a really good point. First off, um, the most probably the most important thing is you married the right person. Yeah, <laughs> um, I outkicked my coverage so far. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I always say that's the most important decision you make, and so it's very hard to do any of these things it's like starting a business if you don't have the right person supporting you. So good job on that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you just said there's a ten year timeline there from when you graduated college to when you open your own business, right? And on top of that you don't even have a degree in strength conditioning, right? And I think a lot of people get caught up on that idea, like, oh, do I have to go back to school? Do I have to get a degree in this? And the reality is you don't. (laughs) Um, It can be helpful. And in certain paths, if you want to get in a collegiate or professional, that might be a hang up, right? But I can tell you, a lot of our staff members don't have uh, degrees in exercise science, kinesiology, ex-phys. They're self-taught. They took a path like you, right? And you had a patch. One thing you really realized from the beginning is, you had a passion for coaching, right? And you didn't get yourself hung up on that as much as you knew what you wanted to do and started to pursue that regardless. And I think that's a couple of things I want to touch on after that, but that, I think that's a really important thing for people to realize. If you're a younger coach listening to this, that 
Um, like I had a kinesiology degree. I probably had a more traditional path. Many yep. people don't. I mean, yep. Mike's an athletic trainer by degree. Um, so not even strength and conditioning. So it's just something that I think um, is important that if you're set on doing this for a career, don't get hung up on what your, what your diploma says. Um, no, because at the end of the I day, you can still make diploma, your way in. I think the diploma is the least of the worries. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> and, and, and then another thing that I thought was interesting is like, I think people don't realize the time that's necessary. You said like, Hey, if I'd gone out earlier, I probably would have failed. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of young coaches who I think now, especially they feel pressure to be successful immediately because they see a lot of people online in their twenties who own a business or make a bunch of money or have a nice car, whatever the social pressures that come from seeing everybody else. And they think like, I need to have that now. Um, but they realize they're only seeing a highlight, highlight reel of a lot of these other people. For sure. And, and those, those 10 yeah. years were hard. Like, yeah. And, and, and like, I was, I mean, I was cutting grass at a golf course every summer, not only because I was getting paid, like while I was like learning how to coach and coaching at all those gyms, like I was still cutting grass on the summer so that I could a not have to spend money playing golf and b make a little extra money. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I was, I was, I was bouncing at a local bar to save money for my wedding of the woman that's way out of my league. Right. <laughs> like at the point, like I, I, I valeted cars while I was training, like, and it just, I kind of always went into it with, with a long-term vision because I wouldn't, I wouldn't survive very long in a, in a cubicle setting. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, I saw this path and it made sense. And, and we can dive into a little bit of like, where the name Maxley comes from in, in my mission. And I think that like a lot of the people who kind of get into the mindset of like, Oh, I'm going to open a gym. They're like, well, it's going to be good money. Like there's, it's going to be so easy. Everybody's going to want to come to my gym. Like it, it's going to be super simple. And, and if you don't have a really solid like reason or drive of why you actually want to do this, you're never going to make those 10 years that it actually took me to feel relatively confident of hanging out on my own and it's it's a journey right and and i think like that was like the apprentices of like used to apprentice under a master for 10 years before they would call themselves a master and it's like people are so quick to be like well this isn't working it's like well how long you've been trying yeah i mean i i always go back like i i like listening to mike's story because you know he was first he was just an at at bu and then he kind of invented the strength and conditioning job there like, and, and started doing it. And meanwhile, was bartending. And then he had the Bruins and he was bartending and he was doing all these other things. And people only see MBSC or see him now, but he like that, that was into his 30s, right? And so people think like, you know, a guy like Mike now is who he always was. And he, he was working, doing real estate, buying places, things like that. And so it's a long road that a lot of people don't, see or talk about so i think it's important like when you say like listen i was cutting grass like i was i used i worked in a shot at country club i was tending bar i was serving i was doing anything they asked me to do friday saturday sunday when i get done coaching monday through thursday and because that would help me pay my bills right and then until eventually i had enough under me and that was a long time um, sure. until we kind of got the ball rolling so it's important to hear that piece of the journey for people because a lot of people might walk into your gym now and think like oh it's so great you have this you're like oh, imagine all the work i did to to yeah. get here and even when you're there it's not easy right and i and i think that something that like i 
I would say that I'm still a, a very young business and I view Maxway as a very young business. And like, I try to stay in startup mode, almost like thought process of like, okay, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. We got to keep going, trying not to get like complacent, mm-hmm. but it's really challenging. And I think, especially in the, in the world of social media and how everybody puts their best foot forward that like, I'm not comparing my year three or year four to somebody's like Mike, who who's in year 30. Yeah. Right? Or or the gym down the street who's in year 15, right? And it's it's that comparison of like where you are and where you feel you should be are are completely different things. And I think that just being able to be appreciative of, of how far I've come. Like I have pictures on my phone of like the very first spot that I was given in the commercial gym to kind of like outfit myself and like train my grooves. Mm-hmm. And it was like it was an old squash court. Um, like a, like not even a full racquetball size court, like the, a squash court. So it was, it was tiny. Um, and it was the still the wooden floors and I had like a, a, a small dumbbell rack and I, I made do. So I think that being appreciative, like, cause if you walked into my gym now, like you wouldn't think that I did that. So I think that being able to see and appreciate where you've been, but then not judge and compare yourself to where other people are. Cause that can be just a dicey mix. Yeah. And and so let's rewind to you're at the sports club, right? And what was it that made you feel like you were ready to make the jump? You would said like, hey, I wanted to go before and my wife kind of helped hold me back until I was really ready to do it. What what was it that you knew, hey, I'm ready to go do this now? Um, I would say it's probably a couple of different things, right? So like my ego would have told me that I was already ready. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Like I was ready. I was ready years beforehand. I, why would it take me this long? So my egos are already ready. Um, I would say a couple of different things. I would say that there were people who were questioning why I hadn't yet. Mm-hmm. And like people that I respected, right? Like not like Billy Bob that comes down the street and trains with me and he's a 15 year old. You know what I mean? He's just like, oh, why don't you have your own spot? Yeah. Right. Like these are like people that I valued their opinion. And it's like, they're like, hey, man, like, what are you doing? Like, what's the plan? What are you doing here? Um, and I would say, like, at the root of it, and we can get, we can dive into this kind of can of worms if we want, but, like, my mental health was suffering. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, would, I was basically having, like, clockwork Monday morning panic attacks, getting ready to go to work. And it, I think that that's what my wife saw to be like, hey, you know, maybe we should take a chance on this. And And now my wife was six months pregnant with our second baby <laughs> I quit my job and signed the lease and did that. So it's like, she, she kind of knew that it was, it wasn't good for me overall. Um, and I mean, stress is stress. So it's like that I just traded the stress of that for something else, but it was, it was the numbers that I knew I was doing my gut feeling of what I could retain because I wasn't moving far. And and the fact that I had the support of my wife, I would say, is like at that point, like you can't you can't fail if you don't quit. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of go. And and you talk about having the anxiety and the scaries, and even you know the people saying to you like, "Why aren't you ready?" I, I always feel like nothing grates on me more when you know someone you have a belief in yourself and you're not acting on it, whether it's like imposter syndrome or you know fear of of making a jump, and and you have other people who are almost saying like, why aren't you doing the thing you're supposed to be doing? And you know, deep down 
that yeah. you know that that's what you're supposed to be doing. And that's probably where a lot of that anxiety and in, in comes from because you're like, you feel like you're not pursuing the thing you're supposed to be pursuing. And it, in, and what I like how you said, like, I did it, you know, I'm waiting on the birth of my second kid. I was talking to somebody about having kids the other day, right? And they, were, they, they said something along the lines of like, oh, well, it's not the right time. And I said, it's never the right time. And it's the same thing <laughs> with opening a business. If you if you wait for the right time, You'll never do it. It, yeah, there's never a convenient time to have a kid or open a business because there's always going to be a reason why it's inconvenient and it's going to be inconvenient. Um, sure. And you talked about kind of trading stress. And I think the difference is like you're going to be stressed whether you're doing something you love or doing something that you hate. And the, what makes good stress is something you're passionate about. It's easy. Like you can be stressed, but if you're passionate about what it is, you can funnel that stress into something that you really care about um, and put that towards something positive. Whereas if you know, you're stressed about something you hate, there, there, there's only one way out of that and it's to not do it. <laughs> and so right, right, um, right. I think that that, uh, that that point all points to you making the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think that I did a lot of kind of like deep thinking and just kind of like really being introspective of what I was doing. Um, and I mean, we can get into where the name Maxwell came from. And I feel like being at the sports clubs and not really kind of being forthright of like what I wanted to call the business, what I wanted to call the program. I was almost holding something back that whole time. Right. Where now I, I ventured out on my own and I'm able to kind of, plant my flag with my own name and, and all that. And, um, Maxway comes from two of my friends. So I had two, I had two friends that passed away quite young. Um, one of their names was Davis Hemingway. And then the other one's name was Jacob Maxfield. So that's where the Max and the way come from. Um, Jacob uh, drowned or sorry, Davis drowned when we were 16. So we was like right before our junior year of high school. Um, and then Jacob fell asleep driving in 08. So it was right before I graduated from college and I grew up, walking to the rec center and playing sports and their dads kind of took care of me. I didn't grow up with my dad. So their dads, like Chad bought me my first set of golf clubs. So we talk about like me mowing grass while I'm trying to do this. It's like, I was, I was given these opportunities, thankful, thankfully from people that took after me, right. Coaches, like they, they taught me how to play T-ball. They taught me how to play pop corner football. They were basketball coaches. They did all these things, but they were always there around sports. And I think the biggest thing that I kind of took with me, was that my favorite memories were created either around sports, like around the rec center and, and doing all of those activities, walking to kind of the rec center after school with Davis and Jake. Our, all of our moms were in education, right? So my mom's an elementary school nurse. Uh, Davis's mom was the high school school nurse. And then Jake, Jacob's mother was like the elementary school principal. So like we were all just kind of shuffled out onto our own until all of our parents were done with school. And we learned how to play sports. We learned how to deal with being in a group. We learned how to lift once we got old enough. And, mm -hmm. and then Davis and Jake were taken too early. And it's like, that's where I was like, well, what am I? I did the same thing that they did, right? Like I was doing mm -hmm. all the same stuff. I used to rock, quarry, jump. And I used to do all that. I used to drive late at night. Like it could have been me. Why am I still here? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. So it was really hard for me. And, and I've battled with depression and anxiety my whole life. I've, I've, been pretty open and honest about it just outright i feel like it helps me but then if if i can talk about it then kids in my gym feel comfortable talking to me about it and it's just an avenue for conversation but i went through a lot of stuff and i tried to figure out why i was here and what i was doing and 
that's how kind of Maxway came about was because now the vehicle that I use is strength and conditioning coaching. Mm-hmm. But what I'm really doing is I'm trying to foster an area of space for these kids to make friends, to deal with things, to learn how to do things that are challenging, to put effort in and not see results immediately. Right. Like all the things that strength and conditioning teaches, like we're trying to do that and trying to mentor these kids. And, and I, I think we, we've really kind of dialed in a pretty cool niche with our community where we're servicing um, kind of second graders to, to grandparents and yeah. everybody in the family. So it's been it's been a journey. And, and um, you can see like in the logo, the, the MW, but it also looks like PJ. So all of us are back together again. And <laughs> it's it, it's taken me a minute to kind of like feel like I'm doing something of value and being okay with all the hard work. Right. Like you said, like you can, you can beat yourself to the bone and you can be coaching 14, 15, 16 hours a day, six days a week. But if you're not doing it for somebody that appreciates you or cares about you, you're you're basically running yourself ragged and you're going to burn out. It's going to be all over. But when I was renovating into the new space and my kids had to be home for 25 days because of COVID stuff with daycare, my wife was refing basketball and I had the other gym operational. Like it's hard, but if you, if you know why you're doing it and if you have a solid reasoning behind it, like it's, it's whatever you just do it. Um, Yeah. I mean, ultimately like what you just described is like leaving a legacy, right. Um, To represent them, um, to represent the things that you're passionate about um, and be able to, you know, hopefully those kids who you work with kind of have that same retrospective look at their experiences and say, oh, these were my really valuable experiences is like the times I went and trained there, the times I was coached by the people in your facility. And and you you hit the nail on the head when you said like, you're going to still have really hard days and long days. But if you're clear on your why, the what becomes really easy. um, Because you know why you're doing it. It, It's not the same when you're doing something you don't care about. And so again you it makes it a lot easier to work hard if you if you are clear on your why and, and you know what you want so i think you're you're definitely doing that <laughs> pretty clearly so when when you made the jump to go open maxway that's like the scary part for everyone though that's where a lot of the questions are for, that i always hear from people who want to start a facility like how do you start like from a financial standpoint um finding a building like those are things that like I mean, it doesn't matter if you had a kin degree, a psych degree, even a business degree. A lot of people don't know how that even happens and think like, hey, am I am I going to be able to get a loan? Am I going to be able to get money? Am I going to be able to find this space? Like, how, how did you go about figuring out how to make that jump? Yeah, so I think it takes a lot longer than you think it does. Like, it's going to take you a lot longer to get ready and cut kind of know what questions to ask i think that that's the hard part at least initially is that like a lot of us don't go into this with like the mba background right we don't no. go into it with the business background and being like okay i already built my my business plan in college like we're just implementing it now. like you got to learn the questions to ask to know what you need to do um so i think a lot of it that's where i'm thankful that it took me longer to pull the trigger on opening because it made sure that I was ready. It made sure that I did all the budgeting that I could. I pre-bought and I had a lot of equipment in a storage unit for months before I, months before I had a rack sitting in a storage unit for about 12 months before I even used it. I had a full three-tier dumbbell set, five to a hundred sitting in my garage. 
for like seven months. Like I, I because I would find the deals that I could and I paid cash for a lot of this, a lot of yeah. stuff <laughs> over the years, right? And I was a holding it and a holding it. Um I think so being savvy with your money, I think, is is important. Especially like if you're not rolling into it with a big bankroll, which I don't think many of us are. Like yeah, exactly. I, I boots I bootstrapped it. So I I was always conservative with my money and I didn't I didn't lend a lot of equipment. So I think like I was very minimal on the equipment and I and I only bought new equipment when we needed it and like we we're like busting at the seams. Hey, we need another barbell to do landmine stuff. Hey, we need another set of hey, we need another trap bar. Hey, we need another bike. Like it was one offs. Like I didn't go and buy ten of everything assuming that I'm gonna have 10, 10 people every hour. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think I think the biggest thing is like assume that you need way less equipment than you need. Yeah. And right. That, that's one. I think yep. two is assume that the flooring is way more expensive than you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> the most expensive thing in a gym, I always say. People are like, what's the most expensive thing here? I'm well, like, you're standing on it. It's flooring by uh, by and large. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, and I think you need to know numbers. I think you need to. Ideally, you already have a book of business going. Like for me, like I tracked, like I was a personal, I was quote, a personal trainer. But when I left the mm -hmm. commercial gym, I had two coaches working my program. Yep. So I was technically already paying some payroll, even yep. though it wasn't payroll. And I was tracking all of my numbers. So I had hard data for four and a half years of what I was doing weekly. Right. So I saw I could, I could build out and forecast based on trends seasonally for years before I even opened because I was tracking my numbers that well, because that's how I was getting paid for the commercial. So I was able to kind of have an idea of what my numbers could be if I did exactly what I have been doing. Right. And then I assumed kind of like three scenarios. It was like worst. Okay. And then better. Mm -hmm. And the worst case was like 10% of my people came with me. Better was, or like good was like half my people came with me better was like 75% of my people came with me. So I was like, that was the gamble, right? Like I did a small friends and family, but I opened Maxway for little money. Yeah. Little money. And I think it, a big piece of it was I pre-bought a lot of the equipment. Mm -hmm. I already had a lot of it before I was ready to like go. And I knew my numbers and I had a pretty good book of business already. And I wasn't leaving a complete demographic. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the a lot of fitness people will say well it's like eight miles nine miles is what your fitness radius is and yeah. you're not going to get people if you're outside of that radius you will if it's like specialty stuff and like I, I feel like people travel for kids i know at least hockey parents do at least um but i think me staying in my general region was really important the relationships that i had with my book of business were already like the clients that i had was i had a pretty good gauge on it um and then I was able to make my numbers work on my worst case scenario, kind of like I was like, all right, if shit really hits the fan and less than 20% of my people actually come with me, can I, can I still survive the first six months to get things going? Right. Um, and then shoot, I probably went through almost a dozen, a dozen and a half like facilities. Yeah. Searching. Right. Like I, I looked and it's not like, there's not much commercial or combo warehouse space with what you're looking for with all this 
in the geographic region that you want at a price point that he, you can afford, right? So it's like, I, I found my first location via Craigslist, hand to God. <laughs> I, I did. I found it. I found it via Craigslist and it, and it, it hit and it used to be, uh, it was like a, a kitchen and bath place. So they were like cutting granite countertops and stuff like that. And I think one thing that I do pretty well is that I can walk into a space and I can envision how a gym should roll, like mm-hmm. how it should look, how it should be set up for ease of use, for functionality. And I would say definitely with the lens of how CFSC programs, which is pretty much how we program and how like our function can work. So I can go into an empty warehouse space and say, all right, I would put this here, this here, this here, and I can kind of picture that. Um, I Maybe I do it better than everybody else. I don't think so, but I was able to kind of walk into the space. And it's like, all right, I can make this, I can make this work. And then like, by the grace of God, like the rack that I had already built fit friggin' perfectly, <laughs> right? So yeah. it's like a lot of things kind of set up for me, but um, I would say I went very minimal to start. I assumed almost the worst case scenario, um, and I didn't over I didn't overbuy on equipment. Like Cressy's talked about it before, where it's like I'm going to stay in as small of a space as I can until I need to get into a bigger space. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to stay in that space for as long as I can until I need to get into a bigger space. I'm not going to start with a 10,000 square foot facility when I can do everything I need to in 1,200 or whatever it was. So, yeah. I mean, that's the, first, the biggest thing I hear, like, with I think all these coaches when they want to open that gym, they think they're thinking short term. They're like, they want to see this amazing facility. And when they first open and realize, like, that facility you want is probably 10, 20 years down the road. <laughs> In reality, like I know MBSC has had iterations in a million different locations. I've seen a couple of them. And um, and even from the equipment standpoint, like really smart. Like you can get, you know, you know, cheap equipment on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or or you know, from someone's yard sale. And we still bring in equipment. Mike still sometimes comes dragging stuff in that he found on the side of the road or he saw on like Craigslist. I, yeah. I just found a brand new set of like third like <laughs> 10 to 30 hexagonal, like uh, perfect brand new dumbbells at the dump. I was like doing the trash run with my five-year-old. And I was like, hey, are you uh, getting rid of those? I was like, oh, yeah, you can just put them right in the back of my truck. And I literally drove them right from the dump right to my gym. So this is perfect. <laughs> it's like, why would I go spend $800 on that if I don't need to? Right? Yeah. So that's where it's like the, what you think you need to do and show off and all that I think can get in the way. Um, like when I opened the gym for business, my first technical session in my new in like the first spot that we were in was my longest, my longest term client, Tony. And I called Tony, Tony bugging the crap out of me. PJ, when are we going to go again? I'm like, Tony, I'm painting a wall right now. Like, give me a second. And I couldn't, I couldn't get him to stop. And I go, Tony, all right, one o'clock. See you. And what he didn't know was that I had just loaded up the five to a hundreds into the back of my truck. And his workout said his training session was going to be unloading and moving all of those dumbbells and like that was like my first paid session in the new gym was like Tony unloading unloading my dumbbells and moving them and placing them on the rack like I, I timed them I did everything a lot of carries today <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well and, and you said another thing too is like you were in there doing the work yourself I remember you telling us hey I'm ripping this out I'm painting this and people always think oh I'm gonna get all these contractors to do it well you pay a lot for labor and so being handy goes a really long way to fix things or, or when you move into a new space, if you're not, someone's not going to pay for a build out to start to do things on your own. Again, for sure. not skills that a lot of people might have 
I going did. into it, but you can go on YouTube and you can learn how to do yeah, a lot of stuff. You, and the thing is, what I have found is that you're going to have a couple members that all they want to do is help you. Yes. And they have, they have skills that, that you don't. And, mm-hmm. and there are people who hopefully listen to this and they're like, oh, PJ has zero handy skills. And I like opening the gym, I little, little to no skill at all. And I really still don't have many. But like you said, like contractors are expensive. Professionals are expensive. And if it's swing the sledgehammer to knock down a wall, like I can, I'm pretty good at breaking stuff. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then, and then I can watch YouTube and I can call my member Dave and be like, Hey Dave, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm going to, and he's be like, PJ, you're an idiot. I'll be right there. Yeah. And then Dave's gonna, <laughs> and then I'm going to learn how to do it. Right. And then, yeah. and then next time I'll be a little bit better at it. So it's like, there have been so many instances where it's like, the only thing that I can do is be like, I don't know how to do this. I need some help on like where I can go to figure this out. And and I think if you go into it being like, I need to have all of the answers before you open your gym, I didn't even know what the questions were. So if I waited for all the answers, I would have never, I would have never opened. So it's like, you gotta have, you gotta have a little bit of faith in your own kind of, in your own resolve. Right. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that that's going to be, I'm betting on myself at the end of the day. Right. Like that's what all this is. And in the kind of the friends and family round that I, that I kind of pulled together to, to start, one of the people was like, well, what are you going to do if this fails? And her husband was, looks at me and looks at her and goes, it's not like you can't, it's just not yeah. going to. Exactly. You, you just don't, I just don't let it. I yeah, coach every single, right. Like I just, you just figure it out. Right. So yeah. it's like it's one of those things where you, you're betting on yourself. And if, and if you're going to try to pad uh, a sixth, you know what I mean? Like a six figure bankroll to start and like want to buy $80,000 worth of equipment because you think it looks really cool. And there's going to be 20 people in your session day one. It's like, or, or you could do it with less and build up as you go. Um, But I think that's people's perception of what people think of them or what people think that they should be doing to appease the people that they think they're thinking about. Right. Nobody's thinking about you. Right. So Exactly. <laughs> Nobody exactly. is. So you just got to be able to bet on yourself and 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 make sure that you're ready to go. I would say like like ready to go and like in what you think you're capable of is like whatever comes at me, I have the skills I need to to be able to figure out what I need to figure out, knowing that I'm not gonna know everything right off the bat. And then, so you get in there, you're up and running. Did you have people lined up, employees ready to go? Or like, how did you so, start to hire people? Yep, and so I had two, I had two employees or two people that were coaching for me. Right. So that was the other kind of gamble was that I needed to take two people that I had brought on to coach in my programs, but were technically employees of the commercial gym to leave the commercial gym and to come and, and, and become my W2. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully the two people that I have did, one of them is still with me. The other one has kind of moved on to a different role and just got married and loving life. Um, but that was a big piece. So I had, I had two coaches right off the bat. So we were, I would say I was already kind of operating a business before opening. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't technically going into my own bank account at the end of the day. Um, I wasn't the owner of it. So bringing the two coaches with me. 
that was August of the end of August. So we're literally right around our fourth anniversary. So like the beginning of September, the end of August is, is our anniversary. And, um, that was 2019. So then six months from there, <laughs> COVID. Yep. Right around so the corner. You, yeah. The whole world shut down. It's like, you don't really laugh. I, I, I can laugh about it now because I made it through the yeah. other side, but it was, it was like, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it was exactly, it was in my business plan. Six months in, global pandemic. <laughs> We're going to be closed. Shut your doors for, for three months. Um, so that was hard. I mean, but again, one of those things where you hope you have the skills to be able to kind of pivot and, and figure out what you're going to do. If you had walked into my gym during the time we were closed, you would have thought that like I had liquidated everything. Yeah. But basically we ran like a drive through and members came and we gave them like a kettlebell, a band and a dumbbell and a ball and this and that and whatever. And we zoomed a couple of days a week and wrote programs to, for people. Um, and then because I didn't start in such a massive space, right. And I was kind of conservative on my footprint initially, once we were open, I was able to section off the gym and, and kind of leverage our small size and our coaching to our advantage because we could control the narrative on who's coming in when. Mm-hmm. This isn't a commercial gym where you're hoping that it's slow when you're coming in and there's potentially five, 10,000 members, whatever it may be, right? Where I'm going to sign up for a time frame and I know only five, at that time we were doing five, five families, right? So again, getting back into the community, we were able to kind of like only have three families in the building, but it was like eight, eight kids or whatever mm-hmm. because we have multiples. But we were able to kind of section off and keep a really strict ratio and kind of make people comfortable with coming back into the gym. Two big garage doors helps, right? Um, but because we were able to control the narrative, because our system was able to still work, people got the same experience and actually liked it more. I would say that something coming out of COVID that was hard was getting people to not think that they had their own pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta share the gym. Like, you gotta share everything. Like, somebody else can use your bench and we'll still have members that like trained with us during COVID times and they'll go and they'll like put their water bottle in a towel, like on the bench in the spot in the squat rack that they want to use. It's like, we still got to warm up, Bubba. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're trying to clean their spot. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're part of, yeah. It's like the dog peeing on a fire engine. They're scenting. It's like, no, all right, buddy, you can use this space when we get there. It'll be all right. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Like we, we actually, stuck with our pod system after covid like we made like a bunch of individual pods and then we kind of stuck with that system one because we just found we were more organized um and that our clients especially our adult clients like like really enjoyed it but i'm always like hey guys for you those of you who weren't here before 2020 like (laughs) you have it real good right now because it was never like this prior Um, and everyone was just kind of fine with it. But once they got exposed to that type of like organization and spaces, it was very hard for us to go back the other way because people are creatures of habit. And when they for get sure. a taste of something like that, where they have like, okay, I have my own set of dumbbells, I have my own set of kettlebells, I have my own rack. Um, then they, they, it's hard for them to go back. Yeah. It's like the, like what you talked to about the, the adult clients kind of being like, they like the energy during the summer, but they don't like the busyness. And it's like, They'll say that I clients say it to me. It's like, man, I like it when it's slow in here. It's like, I don't. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would prefer it to be a little busy. Like, it's, it's like those fleeting moments of like a, a weird hour or whatever. And everybody's like, man, it was quiet. This morning. I really like that. It gives me anxiety. So cool. I'm yeah. glad you like it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so one thing I know you've done, you know, really well is kind of make inroads into the community and organizations, schools, things like that in the area. And that's, I actually had a phone call with someone um, from a gym uh, a couple weeks ago about like, Hey, how do you reach out to local organizations or make inroads with athletic directors or sporting groups? Because they, that can be a huge feeder system for you. If you have a really good relationship with a local school or sporting organization that you're a resource for them. And so kind of for you, how did you start to make those connections with, you know, the local community to, to foster those relationships? Yeah. So two, I would say two things right off the bat kind of strike me with that is that the, the grassroots stuff, the, the community days going to youth soccer events, going into the community, like meeting the coaches, because a lot of time the youth coaches are the parents. Um, so I think that like, that's kind of one lane. And then like the schools, um, the, I think that that's a whole other beast. So like, let's touch on the, on the, just like the community aspect of it, right? Like local teams, like for us, it, it could be like PCSE, like Portsmouth City Soccer or something mm -hmm. like that, right? Any of those local hockey or local um, club teams where it's, it's, it's all relationship driven, right? Because mm -hmm. somebody's got a guy or I have a buddy who does this, or I know this guy or this guy was this, or so I think that providing value, not being super selly, like not chasing short money. I think that mm -hmm. that's the, the biggest thing is people can, people have a pretty good radar for that and people protect their crew, like their groups, their, whether it's their mailing list. Like if you just go up to a, a, a local club team and try to get onto their mailing list, like there's no chance they'll, they will protect their people. Right. Yeah. So I think that providing value from the get with no expectations of return on the other end is important. So I think like offering to do, um, like help them audit and teach them how to do a proper warm up. Um, mm -hmm. If it's baseball stuff, teach them how to do a proper arm care, arm care warm up or post throw, whatever, arm care, whatever it may be. Hockey, it could be like um, hip flexor, groin health. Um, soccer, it could be like hamstring, something like that, right? Basketball, it could be whatever, right? Like offering something for free, being, hey, I can help you guys with this. I just want to make sure that all your kids are, are feeling good and properly warmed up. I just want to help. And and knowing that it's going to take years and like sometimes years to, to, for that lead to kind of actually come to fruition to a paid client, but knowing that if you truly are in it for the right reasons, right. And are authentic behind trying to get into the community, you should be okay with having it take a couple of years to get a true like feeder system. If you're just expecting to get a quick steady feed of people instantly, like it's just not going to happen. Um, so I think, and because I think people can tell, um, people read off of that. So I think that that's one of it is just be a good person and provide value and show that you want to help the kids, um, and not expect something right off the bat. Um, the schools, I think you got to like, the hard part is like, it's a, a lot of the times it's a good old boys club. Yeah. So you got to be in and it's hard. I like, thankfully, like I'm bald. And I can look like the park, but it's like, 
it's you have to know somebody. So this is coming full circle about that first job that I had post-college. So that first job that I had post-college was at Winnicott High School, which is the Hampton area high school. They were my first contract. So with that school, I have a contract with the SAU and the SAU pays Maxway to place a coach there for a certain contract a number of hours. I would not have been able to do that without already kind of having some people in my pocket at the school, not in my pocket, but meaning like they already, they already know I'm a good human being. They know mm -hmm. that I've been in the area for a long time. At that point, it's 10 years. I've been on the Seacoast for 10 years at that point, still involved in youth athletics, in training, in, in the general area. So I've, I've kind of shown my hand that, hey, I'm around. I'm a good, honest, true person. You're not going to find people like saying that I've done them wrong or harm them. Like I'm not a scam, right? There's no mm -hmm. scam oil. So knowing that I could have people that were already in the school that could vouch for who I was as a person, then I just got lucky that the new AD, so the new athletic director, was training at the commercial gym in the mornings watching me train high school athletes. And he was always wearing winter gear. And he's a big He's a, he likes to lift, right? He's yeah. a big old meathead. He loves it. But he always had winter coming gear on. Like, oh, like, what do you do? Like, who are you? Like, I know, I used to coach there. I know a bunch of people there. He's like, oh, I'm the new AD. I'm like, oh, let's chat. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do. And it was like, oh, well, like, what's your idea? It's like, well, you know how every athletic school has an athletic trainer. Like, I think that every school should have a strength coach. Here's my play. Here's what I want to do. From him liking the idea, to me actually getting contracted was two years Yep. because I wasn't in the voting round for the budget. So I had, I had just missed the voting round for the budget. So then I had to wait a calendar year to get into the voting. Then they had to approve the vote. And then that's, it was like a full year. It was wild. So it's like, that's like, it's a slow play. It's just a mm -hmm. slow play building the relationships. It's the only way that you can do it. And even then, like I've had relationships that have gone sour and I didn't do anything wrong, but, my relationship wasn't as solid as somebody else and it, it is what it is. So it's, it's a slow burn um, from a school standpoint. I think I'm fighting a good fight with it. I'm not giving up. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, Cause I think that every school, low income, high income, they should have a strength coach. Yep. Um, because it's a safety concern. So provide value for the community with no return make friends with the school and know that it's going to take a while. Um, and then the third thing for the community is I've gotten some good connections with some, with some surgeons, people get hurt and they're looking for quality training. And right now one of my best referrals through the community is, is a surgeon in town. Um, he knows that we do right by people and we have a pretty good mindset on how we train people. So it, it takes time. It's not going to be like a quick send a couple emails and boom, steady stream. It's mm -hmm. gonna take it's gonna take months and months and years and years of just being a good human being, because um, people aren't gonna vouch for you if you're not. I think that that's the kind of the root of it. Yeah, and the common thread through all of those things you touched on is like relationship building, right? And not uh, looking for immediate gratification. You know, I I always go back to that twenty year window idea, like you talked about. When a, like you left that place on good terms, you had good relationships. Like not everyone walks out of a job and everyone says like, oh, I really liked that guy. Uh, usually sometimes people leave a job and they're like, oh, thank God they're gone. Or like, you don't leave on good terms. And um, I always tell people like, you don't understand 
the, the relationships that you form, good or bad now, will eventually come around to you down the road. And they could either be a huge um, help and be assistance to you, or they could be a huge problem for you. Um, and, and for you to go out like and go back to the place where you started, they were probably like, oh, this is great. You know, it's an like added bonus to someone who was here before. Um, yes. And then going out into the community and we go back to that get in front of them idea. Um, go out there and, and say, what can I do to provide value for you? Rather than saying, what can you do for me? Totally. Um, because eventually they're going to, if you provide value, they're going to want more of that. And yeah, they'll be able to, where they're willing to pay for it. The Cal Newport, be so good they can't say no. Right? It's yes. like if, you, if, if you've got the career capital and if you are the putting yourself so you're the only logical choice. And I think that that's how I've kind of positioned myself is that, okay, maybe not now, but at some point, if you're a youth athlete or if you're an injured adult in the area, you're going to end up training here. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, we'll be, you want Max Way to be synonymous in like the Portsmouth area with, you know, with those things. Right. Yeah. And people will be like, well, there's only there's only one place for you to go. And, and that's when that's when the community does the work for you uh, more than anything. People come knocking on your door that you've never talked to before and just say, hey, I heard about this place. Yep. Um, but there's a lot of work that goes into that. Yeah, yeah for sure. And and so now um, you moved into the new place and you said you're coming up on a year. What was the decision when you decided like we were talking about, hey, you want to be bursting at the seams and you want to think like, hey. Uh, it's time. I really have to find a bigger space. What pushed to that decision for you to, for you to make a jump? So I think like probably two things. Um, one being what's the saying in real estate, it's just like location, 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 mm -hmm. right? So like where this facility is located is very advantageous for me with a youth program being three quarters of a mile sidewalk from a K through eight school for the town. Wow. Right. So like literally my son will be a kindergartner, but my nephew who's going into sixth grade is in the same school mm -hmm. and they're there from the time they're five until they're through eighth grade. Then they go to Portsmouth high school, but they walk like the kids will be walking down after school. Mm -hmm. um, so the location of it was huge. Um, the reason why I was ready to leave and I actually broke a lease. So I got lucky that they were able to find somebody to take over right when I wanted to leave because mm -hmm. then, I would have had to carry two two leases and that would have been too much. Um, I had no more room to scale. So at the, at the location where I was previously, where we would have been at maximum uh, capacity, where people would have felt cluttered, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of off of each other. Wouldn't have been high enough where I wanted. It was always going to be a first location. Um, this location opened up. It's only about 1,300 square feet bigger. So I went from, in its entirety, a 3,000 square foot building mm -hmm. with about, about a thousand of it being office and lobby and 2,000 of a square, which is not awesome, yeah. of training floor. This space that we're in is like 4,300 square feet, and it's probably about 700 square feet of lobby and bathroom and stuff like that office. And mm -hmm. then the rest of it is training floor, but it's, it's all linear. So it's all horizontal. Nice. So I, I went, I went from like 40 by, what was it? It was like 30, 35 by 35 to like 50 by 78 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So like the, 
all all linear square footage so it was the location was primo for where i wanted long term to be for the school and the, my demographic um it was off of the main road so the lease point was actually less so even though it was 1300 square feet bigger it wasn't a huge jump mm -hmm. wise so that was really nice um and it's like it was um a mile from the other gym so I, I I got closer to some people, uh, but I really didn't move that. I moved one stoplight away, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it all just kind of the stars aligned. The space that I'm in used to be a maintenance barn for the for a golf course. They tore down the golf course, and now it's a 55 updated community, which helps. Oh wow. Um, but this was the cart barn, what we were in, and um, the first thing I had to do was take down a massive wall. So it was like a wall that they cut the building into two identical units. Yeah. And I took them on a floor to ceiling. It was like a 70, it was 78 by 16. The wall was 16 feet high. So it was a 78 foot long by 16 foot high wall that I took down in, in chunks. And then I put the, I, this was crazy, Kevin. Like I'm like sawzong stuff at like 1130 at night. Like, <laughs> but then I take like whole sections of the wall down and I put it on a trailer. And now I built a shed out of my, like I built a shed at my house with the, walls i took down from the gym oh so good like, job repurposing i'm being resourceful i mean so there moving was tough it cost me more money than i thought so mm -hmm. here's a lesson removing facilities assume it's going to be about 30 percent more than you think because mm -hmm. i wish i had taken a little bit more like uh, i i got like a just a simple term loan but because again flooring is going to be the most expensive thing that you get so it's mm -hmm. like i had to buy a whole bunch of turf had to buy some more flooring, but a lot of the stuff I didn't, I didn't have to buy that many more dumbbells. The dumbbell, like the, my rack is still the same rack, right? My mm -hmm. biggest expenses moving were light bulbs, flooring, and then a cement wall to throw med balls off. Yeah. None of the exciting things, right? Light bulbs, <laughs> flooring, and a, a wall. Yeah. It's like rubber flooring and turf, LED light bulbs, a bunch of them, and paint, and a a mason to come in and build me a wall. <laughs> that yeah. was it. That was, like, was my biggest expenses. Well, but, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. How many people do you have working in there now? Yeah. So now we're up to, there's six of us total. Um, so we started with two coaches and now we're, um, yeah, two, four, five. Yeah. I, I make six. So I still coach some. Um, I probably have like 12 to 15 hours on the floor just so that I can, it doesn't mean that I'm not in the gym, but I would say like designated coaching hours. Mm -hmm. um, so I can kind of still be around the people. It's I enjoy it. Um, it gives me a reprieve from the business side of it, and the business side of it gives me a reprieve from the training side of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm able to build out um, the lifestyle that I kind of well, like the hours that I that I'd like. Meaning I've been particular and probably paid more in coaching hours out because I've wanted to be home at a certain time or yeah. I've wanted to stay home for my kids. So I think that there, you got to be real. You have to have a real, real honest conversation with yourself about like what you want to do. Like there's something, I think Mike posted it was like 80% of the time you spend with your kids is before they're eight or something like it was something mm -hmm. wild like that. And it's like, I had the opportunity to be able to adjust my schedule so that I could be home with the kids four days a week to bring them to daycare whenever I wanted. And I was okay paying a little extra per week in payroll so that I could have that time and those experiences with my kids. 
same thing on the other end. Like I could coach every night until seven o'clock if I wanted to, but I want to be home at five, five thirty so that I can cook dinner and eat dinner and see my kids before they go to bed. Cause think about it. Like if I, if I open the gym, I'm in the gym before it's five fifteen, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then if I close the gym, it's seven thirty, whatever it is. Like I may not see my kids that day. Yeah. Cause and, they're and- asleep when I leave and they're asleep when I wake and when I come home, it's like, well, is that worth whatever I would have paid a coach yeah. to be there? And it's like, not every day, no chance, no yeah. chance. So I think that that's something that people don't really They're like, Oh, well, I'll just work all of it. And it's like, well, maybe you want to have a family. So slow down what you think you're going to have for growth potential. Just a minute. You know what I mean? And, and that's where I think like, I, I have a longer term mindset, so I'm not in such a rush. I'm in a rush. Right. And I have things that I want to do. But I know that I can get there. So if, if it's going to take me an extra week because I want to spend some time with my kids or if, it, if I may not hit my goals, my three-year goal into year four, but I got to experience every single one of my kids' games or whatever it was, like, I think that that's a pretty fair trade. So I think it's being able to kind of know what you want to expect from yourself. Yeah, and I think for me, that's the number one reason I like to own my own business and essentially work for myself because I want that autonomy to decide, hey, here's a day when I'm going to work a lot and work hard. And here's a day when I want to be able to be home with my family or, or go to this event or whatever it might be. That's the payoff in freedom that you get for the investment of time and stress that you put into starting a business. I think that if like you're just going to work your balls off all the time and sacrifice everything else, you, you might as well just go work for somebody else. They say like, you work for yourself, you work for a crazy person sometimes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I, I, that's not, and it's an easy thing to get sucked into, especially I think when people like us tend to think like, well, I can solve the problem or I can do it. Yeah. But ultimately you're, you're making a sacrifice on the other end. And that's, that's a really important thing for people to hear. And for you to be able to back off from always having the, the trainer hat on, you go to that e-myth idea, the story about the woman making all the pies. Um, and not be the person making the pies all the time and being able to step back and let other people do it. You gain so much yep. in freedom and clarity to be able to take a view of your business from the outside as well um, in, in doing that. And it's, it's about figuring out how to balance it. You don't want to be the absentee owner, but you also don't want to be, you know, in the, on the floor, you know, from sun up till sundown. But you also have to be able to bake the damn pie. Yeah. <laughs> Right, like, hold on for like. Let's talk about that for a second. Like, if you're gonna open a gym and you're not the business guy of the gym, yeah, you need to be able to train. You need to be able to be a good coach. Like, it that's like that should be a given, right? And I think that sometimes that's like mixed. And it's like, oh, you want to go open your gym? You don't even have the reps in yet of being a good quality coach. No. (laughs) It's like don't forget that you have to be able to bake a good pie if you want to be the one telling people how to bake the damn pie. Exactly. Exactly. You, there's a lot of people now who you're yeah, right. They, they, they haven't gotten the reps in before they try to jump in it. And, and then that ends up being a disaster. Um, you have to not, not only do it yourself, but then be so good that you can teach other people how to do it. And that's a whole nother skill. Um, but yeah, that is a very important point to make because you had a long road yeah. prior to being the place where you are now. For sure. For sure. And I think sometimes like even, even for you put a schedule out for a young coach and it's like a split shift, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, I need you to come in from 
six to six to eight, six to nine, and then I need you to come in from two to six. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, like everybody, you have to prove that you can do that. Yeah. To then be able to have the right of not doing that. Right. Like you, I, you need to show me that you can show up on time on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. You show up. Yeah. You need to prove to me that you can open the gym if I need you to open the gym on time, ready to go. Like then. You don't necessarily have to be the low man on the on the totem pole, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. have to be the, the the one that's the gopher or the one that has to get the crappy shifts or whatever it may be, right? Like you can kind of earn your way out of it by being consistently a good quality coach and a good quality mm-hmm. human being. So I think that those those things, it's like you want so much so quickly, prove that you deserve it. I think yes. is is a big piece of it, right? Like you shouldn't just be given stuff. Like I had, like I've um. I joke about it with the kids, right? They'll come in and be like, PJ, I did the whole warm up. It's like, look, guys, like if I show up to work on time, I don't get <laughs> it's, I'm supposed to show up on to work on time. So like you shouldn't get extra praise or like kudos or like great job because like you did what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That's what you were supposed to do. Right? Like I don't I don't get it. Like if you were like, Hey PJ, I taught this new like this new this new athlete didn't really know something. I like went over and I showed her what to do. It'd be like, Hey, like, thank you. That's like above and beyond. Right. You know what I mean? It's people's expectations of what they should get right off the bat are, are not necessarily on par with a, either their skill set or B what they've earned. And I think that a lot of the time you need to earn, earn some things before you expect some things. 100%. That's a, that's a good sound bite right there. Um, Awesome, man. Well, I, I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, this was great. I think it was really valuable for people um, who want to do what you're doing. Um, hearing it from a recent perspective, like you said, you, you you opened in 2019, but hearing the whole kind of journey behind that and, and the things that you went through are, are really important takeaways for people. So I appreciate you, you know, sharing everything that you shared. And um, you know, if there's anything you want to tell people where they can find you, um, that would be great. And uh, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. This was fun, and I could I could chat with you and, and get on a soapbox and rant as long as you wanted me to. So, anytime. Um, yeah, you can find maxwayperformance.com. So, M A X W A Y performance.com is our website. Uh, all of our social stuff is just Maxway Performance. My personal stuff is Strength by Strebel. Um, my email is pj at maxwayperformance.com. I'm happy to answer any questions or kind of talk about the model that we do and ha- how we go about things. Um, just happy to be here feeling blessed to, to have a good combo yeah this was great um i'm sure i'll talk to you tomorrow at some point so uh thank you buddy have a great night okay. thanks and, uh, enjoy your day tomorrow thank you too man